For me, forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? It's the words of Bell Hooks. Also ringing in my ear right now is the line from Spirit of Life, sing in my heart all the stirrings of compassion. But this message may not land where you may be expecting it to land, because I'm not so sure that everyone can be transformed, let alone transformed as I would have them be transformed or as you would have them transformed. I don't actually want everyone transformed according to my wishes. And that's what I, I kind of want to trouble with you, and I don't have answers today. I have a lot of questions, and hopefully it will stir some questions in you as well, and I will try to make sense out of what I've got in front of me. Uh, I tried multiple times throughout the week to make sense out of it, and I realized that I'm trying to make sense out of something in our time and day and age that makes no sense at all. So I'm happy to lot, not let, lot, let it make a lot of sense. But my concern about this word compassion, the reason I wanted to bring this word as a starting point for us or as a focus today is I'm not so sure we get it, in all honesty. Um, I, I actually don't believe, and you can tell, say, what? I don't believe that compassion is born of pity. I don't actually even believe that it's born of empathy. I don't believe it's born of shared grief or being one with anything. I think compassion is something more basic that comes before all of that that compassion is our word for the basic recognition of shared humanity. That if we don't start there, we actually can't go anywhere. Look at the roots of the word, it's very interesting. Uh, you Latin scholars can correct me as well. I'm no Latin scholar, but Latin, uh, the word calm, meaning together, and pati, which is the other root, for a passion, uh, to suffer. Suffer together with is the literal Latin translation of the word compassion. Suffer together with. So built into that is already, the, already this pretext that y'all are in pain, <laughs> you know? It's already built in there, into this word, that it's coming from a place of, of discomfort. There's another little definition that I came across in Wikipedia, which has become a lot better. Oh my gosh, it's actually gotten more accurate over the years, which is great. So it used to be a mess. But compassion is a process of connecting by identifying with another person. It doesn't say identifying over what, but identifying. That's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with all of this. I want to share with you something that I may have already shared, but I'll share it again and probably share it multiple times throughout this year because it was a highlight for my own summer. Um, 
I spent time in North Carolina at something called the Wild Goose Festival. The Wild Goose Festival is a spiritual music festival with deep evangelical roots. And I was there. <laughs> Along with about 12 or 14 other Unitarian Universalists. And one of the reasons, I'm actually on the board of this festival, and one of the reasons that I decided to infiltrate this space and the others as well when I got to talking to them is they said, you know, there's something good here. There's something about this idea of we can come together despite our differences. In fact, because of our differences, we can come together. Imagine a group of evangelicals having that idea. It's a pretty special place. So you have evangelical Christians, you have you know, run-of-the-mill Methodists, you have Unitarian Universalists, you have a few atheists, a few Buddhists, looking to diversify in terms of race and ethnicity a lot more. But there's a start there. And so as part of my, 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 uh, my time there on the board, um, I was able to deliver a couple of uh, presentations on things. One was a fascinating conversation about, and I have a recording of it, fascinating conversation about the monuments, about the monuments being taken down, the Civil War memorials being taken down in the South, in conversation with a young woman from South Africa talking about the Roads Must Fall movement and the parallels in that. But what I want to share with you today is actually the other talk I did, which was called God is the Fact That. And in this talk, I invited people to think about their personal theologies of death. I asked them to say, okay, so how do you, what, what in your understanding of your faith tradition lets you embrace and process the fact that you are mortal, that you are finite? Then I asked people to talk together about that. It was a fascinating thing to see people actually sharing about that, not knowing necessarily why they were sharing. And then I, I said, so my premise for doing this is to say that there is something that all of us can talk about that, that actually transcends our political beliefs, our religious beliefs, whatever. The fact that we're born and that we die. We all go there. And that it could be this tremendous leveling force for all of us, this, this embracing of our mortal humanity. What would it mean if we could all, every single one of us, just start there before we get into politics, before we get into economics, before we get into all of these things that we layer on top of our humanity? What if we start with humanity? In my exploration of this idea of compassion, which for me starts with this idea of this basic humanity, we are born and we die, I also have come to the conclusion that I do not have to like you to have compassion for you. True compassion is this ability to acknowledge another's lived humanity and be willing to not deny that humanity. And that is the problem that we face 
with white supremacists, with anti-immigration folks, with the folks who draw these lines that say, this is where human begins and ends. I feel like the hate speech that is out there, specifically about race, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep this focused on, on race, especially with what's going on in DC, even as we sit here right now at this moment, even as we sit here, what's going on in other cities around this country, these, these, these movements to defend a specific kind of whiteness that is exclusionary, exclusive, and I believe inhuman, quite simply. As we, as, we, as we wrestle with this today, I want to remind you of some words from one of the leaders from that movement. And yes, this stuff sucks. But I'm going to read it. From Richard Spencer. How can we build a white society, one that reflects the values and traditions of our people, in the context of a world informed by multiculturalism, anti-discrimination legislation, and white guilt, such a task is daunting to say the least. Though there are certainly obstacles in our path, European-American communities can be organized in ways that are legal, moral, and most important, effective. Racist isn't a descriptive word. It's a pejorative word. It is the equivalent of saying, I don't like you. Racist is just a slur word. I think race is real, and I think race is important, and those two principles do not mean I want to harm someone or hate someone, but the notion that these people can be equal is not a scientific way of looking at it. This country does belong to white people, culturally, politically, socially, everything. We, white people, define what America is. Ours, too, should be a declaration of difference and distance. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created unequal. In the wake of the old world, this will be our proposition. Last three quotes. The white race is a race that travels forever in an upward path. As Europeans, we are uniquely at the center of history to be white is to be a creator, an explorer, a conqueror. Compassion. I don't want anything to do with Richard Spencer or his kind. I want no responsibility to transform that. I do not carry any guilt, shame, attachment, anything to that vile poison nor do I carry an atta any attachment to Jason Kessler, the organizer of today's DC March, the alt-right white nationalist, or anyone else who deems someone less human than another. That's their business. Just to remind you, to take you back a few years, remember when we were fighting over LGBTQ stuff really publicly and in the streets, and we're still fighting a lot of it, by the way. And People were kind of coming out of the woodwork and saying, you know, I didn't realize that 
gay people didn't have six heads. I, uh, I'm amazed, you know, when this person close to me came out of the closet, I realized I was wrong. That's how transformation happens. It happens in relationship. All I can wish for Richard Spencer is that he ends up in relationship with someone who can open his eyes and open his heart. We also have a journey of transformation as well. The responsibility that we do carry is to understand that compassion isn't fluffy, it's not floating up here, that compassion is a lot more base and a lot more, mm, I don't have a word for it, I was searching for a word to describe where I want to go here. And at the same time, compassion is not actually about you. It's not based on your privilege or your position or you being a good person, and it has nothing to do with you being smart. It has to do with all of us having the capacity to humble ourselves to the fact that we are human. That we have blood and pulses and senses and that we travel through this thing called life on a finite basis. What we need is a defiant compassion. We need to put this idea of inherent worth and dignity to the test. It's miraculously simple. We need to begin with radical affirmation of humanity and end with an environment where denial of humanity cannot survive. It's not about jobs or land. It's not about the right it is about the right to claim and defend humanness. You know, a lot of what you hear in those words that I read from Richard Spencer focus on this as, uh, focuses or has its genesis from an idea of what is quote-unquote natural, at least natural according to him and his cronies. Humanity is the only basis for natural. White supremacists do not have a, a monopoly on humanity. And so I say that the kind of compassion we are called to, this simple, basic compassion, understanding each other as living, breathing, bleeding, vibrant, dying creatures, this compassion it's not impotent, it is not soft, it is not compliant, it is not, oh. Compassion is also angry. Compassion is specific and it is unyielding in the face of denial, particularly the denial of humanity. And so I say again, you do not need to like someone to have compassion for them. Someone doesn't have to agree with you for, for you to recognize their humanity. That we are all born and that we all die is the most basic covenant of life on earth. 
and it represents balance. But things fall out of balance if there is someone or something that is unwilling to recognize humanity. We see that with genocide, systems of rape, uh, racism, and with rape. We must be compelled in this defiant compassion to be incensed, enraged, inflamed by the denial of humanity. And we are called to fight until that balance is reclaimed. Somebody's hurting my brother. And it's gone on. It's gone on. It's gone on. And we won't be silent anymore. Blessed be.